<laughs> Thank you. Come on, let's give Jesus the glory because it really does belong to him. Lift your hands to the Lord. Ask the Lord to open your heart, your ears, your life to receive the word of the Lord. And when you receive the word of the Lord, you receive life. You receive direction. You get understanding. It feeds your spirit. It directs your life. Your life has changed. And we thank you for your word today. Thank you for the anointing over your word. So let it be. Every contention against it be defeated and be torn down. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. said and the people said amen <laughs> wow so this is first fruit season I I haven't been able to count very well looking back in the records it's a minimum of 10 to 15 years I think it's between that so I think it's about 12 years uh, every year that we have honored the Lord with this kind of offering to God and uh, no matter how many times we've done it, I find myself intrigued how God would do such a wonderful thing for his people and give us such an opportunity to see his glory, to experience his power, to watch him do what we can't do for ourselves. It's an amazing thing. I want to also encourage you that are in business or want to be to be with us this coming Wednesday, one of my sons in the gospel, God has done an incredible work in his life and family, how God has prospered him, will be our speaker. You don't want to miss it. Amen. A bigger amen than that. Amen. amen. Oh, that's Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech uh, alumni building on North Avenue. How can they get the address to that? Ah. Good, so be sure to get that, 190, amen. That's what you want to make, $190,000 a year minimum, amen. If the people say amen, amen, minimum, minimum, amen. So how am I going to do this? I'm, 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 I'm wrestling in my mind, I'll work it out, how I can do it uh, expediently. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you go to Genesis chapter 12. And, and what I want to, to, to talk to you about this morning is that, that I'm going to continue in the power of putting first things first. Look, one of the most incredible abilities that God has given you and I is the ability to look into the future and imagine a bigger, a better future and then to come back to the present 
and work in the present to make that future a reality. That's a gift from God. To be able to see where it is you want to go. To be able to understand what you want God to do in your life. To be free and broken from the picture that the culture has put in your mind about your future. For God to invade your imagination and help you see what he has in store. To be a part of his narrative and not just to be surrendering to the narrative of your own that's not motivated by, the, by righteousness and peace and joy. It's a powerful gift. The people of God, when they employ it, when they put it to action, everything changes. Such is the case with the story I want to convey to you today. Because in chapter 12 of Genesis, God gives a future tense of the life of Abraham. I'm going to show you, Abraham, what I'm going to do with your life. I'm going to project into the future my plan and my will for you. It hasn't happened yet, and nothing that appears right now even resembles what I'm speaking of. But if you believe me, and if you go back to the present and obey me, I'll make this future tense your present reality. Look at chapter 12. Here's what God says about his servant at that time named Abram. He says, I will make you a great nation. You need to understand the, the, the ethos, the very in, the entrance, the um, root of that word, nation, is ethnos. I'm going to take out of you and create a nation. Are you all there, saints? He said, I'm going to, whoa, bless you, and I'm going to make a great nation out of you and make your name great so and so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I'll curse him. And in you, here's how, here's how awesome you're going to be, Abram, in you all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. Good God Almighty. Can you imagine God coming to you and saying, it I, I, doesn't matter what your situation is right now. What I'm going to do for you is I'm going to bless you and make your name great. I'm going to bless you so much until people who are attached to you are going to be blessed. I'm going to bring a people out of you that don't exist right now. That wasn't so bad except if you're, if you're in your 90s and you don't have no babies. And you've been doing everything that you do to have babies. But God comes to Abram in the midst of his life and makes that kind of proclamation. If you look at it in chapter 17 of Genesis, in verse 4 through 6 it says, As for me, behold, this is God talking to Abram, As for me, my covenant is with you. In other words, my sealed agreement, that is, what I've told you I won't back out of, 
it shall happen. My covenant with you is this. And you will be the father of a multitude of nations. So he expands on what he says the first time. Not only a great nation is going to come out of you and all the nations are going to be blessed, I'm going to bring nations out of you, plural. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I will make you the father of a multitude. Are you reading with me? A multitude of what? Nations. I have made you exceed. Listen to this. This is, this is amazing. This is amazing to me how God thinks. God said, I have. It's like, it's already so. Are you there? What does it say? I have, I have what? Lord, have mercy. I have made you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you. Kings are coming out of you, will come forth from you. Look at your neighbors here. God's promises. Awesome. You know what makes me, what really messes me up when you get to the New Testament? The Bible says you and I are children of Abraham. When you get to the New Testament, the Bible says, I'm going to bless you with the blessing that I blessed Abraham. God loves to come and give promises that, do, that look impossible. God loves to make promises that you don't know how he's going to do it. God loves to declare his future, which is opposite of yours and if you had to depend on your ability for God's purpose to come, it would never happen. I, I like what Mark Batterson said in his, in his book, Chase the Lion. If your dream doesn't scare you, it's not from God. And if your dream can happen without the assistance of God, it's not from God. Tap your neighbor and say, get that dream that's so big that only God and you can make it happen. Amen. I'm so sorry that you don't want to talk to your neighbor today, but that's all right. Try it again anyway. Look at your neighbor and say, your dream needs to be bigger than your ability. Amen. So when I talk to you this morning in this first fruit season and how important it is to put first things first, I want to remind you that, that, that you and I, really, we should want a future bigger than our past. Lord, have mercy. If all that's ever happened to you is ever that's going to happen to you, then you should just go ahead and, uh, what's that cemetery that we laid to rest your dad and mom? Uh, it's on Martin Luther King. Isn't it on Martin Luther King Drive? Westview. Go on over to Westview. Let's take us some property over there. Go over there and just buy your grave plot and, and, and just prepare to say, to say goodbye. Amen. Your future, God's future for you is bigger than your past. I'm going to put it to you another way. God's future for you is bigger than the whole combination and all the, all the moments, months, and years of your past. God's future is bigger than all of it combined. But some of, sometimes you, you doubt that. The reason why we, we doubt it is because we still depend on our ability. God wants to teach us the power the power of, of a future bigger than your past. 
And, and she just said it a few moments ago. And that's why for you to understand the mechanism God has given you to bring about his future. If you understand that mechanism, you can cooperate with it and you can watch God do mighty things. So I want to say to you first today that the, that the power of the tenth, the power of the tenth is the power to bring about a future that's bigger than your past. In fact, look at, look at verse 17. Uh, look, at, look, at, um, look at Genesis. Fourteen, pardon me, Genesis, Genesis 14, 17 through 20. Check this out. When, then after his return from the defeat of, of Chaldor, Chaldor, what, who? Chaldor Laumar. Help me, Bible scholars. After his re- defeat of that king, amen, said Orlamar, and the kings who were with him, the king of, of Sodom went out to meet him, in the, meet him at the valley of Sheva. This is talking about Abram. When he returned from this mighty war he had, when he returned, that is the valley of the kings, Verse 18, Melchizedek, king of Salem, bought out bread and wine. Now he was the priest of God most high. He blessed Abram and he said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the most God, the God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. The Bible says Abram gave him the tenth. That's the word tithe. All of the spoils that Abraham got when he, when he went to war with those kings, all of the spoil, he brought it back, and on the way bringing this, of bringing this back, he meets this interesting character in the Old Testament named Melchizedek. Melchizedek, we'll find out more about him in a, in a moment. He meets him, and before he goes back to the king of Sodom, he, he sees Melchizedek. And if you read it carefully, you'll see that Abram bowed his face to the ground before him. And, and, and Melchizedek comes out, this is amazing to me, with bread and wine. Does that sound familiar? He serves Abram communion. I'm sorry. He cuts covenant with Abram. And when he does that, Abram, listen to me, listen to me. All the spoils that Abram brought back from this battle were not even a smidgen of the blessing he got from that man. Melchizedek blesses him as Abram presents to him the tenth of the spoils. Now, I need to say this to you because some people get messed up about this. This is before the law. Look at your neighbor and say, the law was not even written yet. Some people say, well, tithing 
is of the law. We don't do that anymore. Well, you need to read the whole Bible. And I just want to tell you, before the law that was issued on Mount Sinai, many hundreds of years later through Moses, Moses wasn't even born yet. Moses was in the loins of Abraham. Amen. Moses wasn't, wasn't even on the scene yet. In fact, this, this act of tithing was before there ever was a law that said, give me the tenth. And that's why we need to understand fully how powerful it is and how God looks at what we earn and what we get. In fact, you can't even talk about first fruits until you understand tithe. And so Abram makes it very simple for all of us. He, and we are, he's the father of our faith, he's called. If he's a father, let's be the children. And he brings to Melchizedek this incredible amount, this 10% of this, all this spoil, offers it to him. In return, Melchizedek brings, makes covenant with him and serves him. Are you still with me? Hebrews chapter 7 says, For this, Hebrews chapter 7 says, For this Melchizedek, son of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. This is Hebrews now, New Testament, chapter 7, 1 through 3. For this Melchizedek, the king of Salem, priest of the Most High, he met Abram, Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter and he blessed him. To whom also Abraham apportioned, or he paid a tenth part of all, say all, all the spoils, was first, was first of all by the translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, which is king of peace. So what Abraham is doing, he is offering a tithe to righteousness and peace. Yeah, I know. That's what I said when I first saw it this way. I never saw it that way before. What's amazing, read on about this man, Melchizedek, in the New Testament, gives us more insight to who he is. Oh, my God. Are you there? Hmm. Look at, look at, look at uh, verse 4. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Amen. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi to become priests to collect a tenth from the people. That is, from their fellow Israelites. Even though they also are descendants of Abram, or Abraham. This man, however did not trace his descendant from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abram and blessed him who had the promise. And without doubt, the lesser, say this, the lesser is blessed by the greater. And in, 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 uh, in the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die. But in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collected the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Because when Melchizedek met, when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. Good Lord. Let me see if I can just 
simplify that for you. In the case of the Jews, in the rabbinical system, it is required that everyone collect a tenth and pay it to the Levites. They are humans. They came out of, they came out of Abraham and they died. But the Bible says when Abraham started this, he paid it to someone whose end, there is no record. There is no record of Melchizedek's end. When you read about him in the New Testament, he's this, he's this mysterious character that comes as king of peace. I know who Jesus is. Some of my fellow believers believe that the Melchizedek was Christ being represented as the king of righteousness and the king of peace. After all, the kingdom of God is, I'm sorry, is what? And, and, in. And Abraham paid tithes to somebody who would not die. So it's perpetual. And yet, if you want to see it in its, its reality, how powerful a tithe is, Levi, who's already in his loins, is paying tithe through Abraham. So when I say this to you, tithing is generational. Some of you today are, have got what you've got because your daddy and your mama honored God in the tithe. You can clap if you want to, you don't have to. Some of you didn't have that, that's okay. You're going to start a new generation right now, amen. I know that my grandkids are going to be rich because they are fourth and fifth generation of tithe payers. My mama and my daddy paid tithes. My mama's mama paid tithes. My daddy's daddy paid tithes. And when, I, when, the, when, the, when the reality came to me, we decided we're paying tithes the rest of our life. And as we were paying tithes, when Christopher was not born, I believe God gave me the genetic power and the oomph to bring Christopher forth. Amen. Hallelujah. When we were tithing off of that little 80 cents that we got, the first time we realized about tithe, the first time we tithed 80 cents because we had $8 for a check, I believe that there was a conception going on because of the power of the tithe to bring forth your future. I believe that that day when I came home from California and hadn't seen my wife in weeks and she looked at me and I looked at her and the rest is history and none of your business. But the, but, but the results is... Is, is stand up, Tiffany. Stand up, baby. The results. Good God Almighty. You know, you could call her a true love child. Burst, Lord have mercy, out of holy love. Amen. It's amazing. When my children started understanding the first thing we did financially is we taught them how to handle that money. We're offering God his first. Our father Abraham gave us the most powerful demonstration of this and I'm talking this way to you because what I'm saying to you is going to impact your financial future and I'm telling you your dream that's bigger than your past can only come about if God increases your income. Look at your neighbors and say, I want an income increase. 
This is as practical as I can tell you. That God said, in one case, tithes are being paid to somebody dead. But in the reality, tithes is being paid to somebody living because Abraham, he started the whole thing when he honored Melchizedek and said, here. Abraham realized that his future was greater than his past, but he could not get his future unless he honored God. That's in the 14th chapter of Genesis. It's the 17th chapter of Genesis that God comes to Abram and then says to him, you know, I've been promising you this for 25 years. Then God comes to him in the 17th chapter. He says, Abram, next year this time you're going to have a child. Lord, have mercy. Are you still breathing with me? Give me a few more moments so we can walk the rest of this out. I want to show you something. It's a powerful story because Abram, who has lived for so long without a promise, to the point of laughing stock about who, is, who he was, to the backroom jokes about his shooting blanks, to the sniggles and criticisms of Sarah, who delivered babies but who could not deliver, carry a baby. And tradition says that she loved to help deliver babies. But deep down in her heart, she wanted her own. She wanted a baby so bad, unlike many today. She wanted a baby so bad. Until she, she, she drug her husband one day. She drug her, can you imagine this? I don't even know how to, I don't know what to do. It's, it's like, it's almost beyond me. Can I demonstrate it for you? Don't worry, it won't be lewd. Are you all right? Okay, can I get you, can I, can I get you to the end of the stage for a second? This is how bad this woman wanted a baby. She wanted a child so bad. She wanted a child so bad until she, she told her husband, Abraham, said, Abraham, I know we've been trying and I'm just so frustrated. Now, I'm, there may not be nothing wrong with you, but something is wrong and, and it's been so long. I tell you what, why don't you just take, just take my, take your servant and have sex with her and have a baby with her. That's how bad, y'all getting, getting the picture, hello? Are y'all breathing? I guess if I'd have really done good, that made you Sarah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh. <laughs> she said the devil is a lie. <laughs> Sarah was desperate. She said, look, I, look, you just, and listen to me. This, this is a reality. In the Old Testament, when women were barren, they would help deliver a baby because the woman who was delivering would sit in the lap and they would help her deliver her child so that the women who were the midwives could feel like they were having a baby. And that's what Sarah was. She wanted a future greater than her past. Couldn't happen. But God shows up in the 17th chapter of, of Genesis and says, walk, I mean, walks right up in Abraham's face. Say, Abraham, where's your wife? She in the tent, Lord. Uh-huh. He said, this time next year, She's going to have a baby. God said it loud enough for her to hear it. When she heard it, she started laughing. Are you all there? 
And the Bible says something very awesome. She said, me, no pleasure. Me, no pleasure. Not no pleasure, no pleasure. Experience pleasure. God said, Sarah, why are you laughing? Oh, God. I didn't laugh. God said, you did. Why would God challenge her laughter? The same God who said, Abram, I'm going to make your name great. Nations are going to come out of you. Whole world, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. I know you ain't got no kids, but I'm telling you that's, what I'm, that's my decree. And so Abraham, after he has tithed first to Melchizedek, it sets him up. God comes and says, all right, I'm giving you a time frame now. You've waited patiently without a time frame. Now I'm giving you a time frame. This time next year. Tap your neighbor. Man, God's saying something to some folks right here. Tap your neighbor and say, this time next year. <laughs> now I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. Lift your hands to the Lord. God. This time next year. Come on, just worship him right there. Worship God. For the things that have not been able to be birthed by you alone. The things that seem impossible. This is a moment right now. This time next year, it will be a reality for you. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Raise that, raise that language to the Lord and just worship the Lord right now. What seems to be impossible, what has eluded you, what you've not been able to get over, what you've not been able to get through, what you've not been able to break in the name of Jesus. This time next year. And, and when Sarah heard it, Man, you know how you want to hear something so bad. You've been waiting for something so long. So when it do come, you know, you're afraid to believe it. What I want you to do, I want you to get that kind of faith my wife was talking about. I, I got it, and you can't talk me out of it. Okay, hurry. One little part to this that you need to understand. Because God is not playing with this. In Hebrews chapter 7, in Hebrews chapter 7, he said that Levi collects the tenth, but the others, they pay the tithes. I want to really make this clear. This is the one place in the scripture where tithe is connected to paid, like a debt that's paid. This is not like a debt that you owe for your sins. That debt, you don't have enough money. Are you there, saints? God takes care of that. For those of you that have, have been bitten by the legalistic worm that has made tithing something legal for your salvation, that is a lie. You are not saved because you tithe. What gets saved by your tithing is your finances. Look, look at your neighbors again. God saves your finances through your tithing. <laughs> And, and it's the faith that's attached to it that makes the difference. And that faith you get because God grants you that faith. So you can't like boast about it. But paid is exactly right. Paid, 
In fact, God said, Israel, I'll tell you what, the, all of you what I have for you is mine, but I, I'm going to give you a representation of what all is mine. I want you to pay me, pay, A-P-A-Y, me a tenth. When you're not faithful with that tenth, why would God want to release anything else? If you can't be faithful with a little, how are you going to make you faithful with much? It's God's testing ground to promote you financially, personally. Hallelujah. Don't get mad with God if you don't have no money. That's not God's fault. God died so you can have money and rose from the dead so you can have money. Are you, are you, are you there? He, though he was rich, became poor for your sake that through his poverty, come on, we might be made rich. So don't get it twisted. You've got to have the right attitude when you tithe. Abram was so happy to come back, man, with all, all, all the spoils, all the people that were stolen. He got them all back. And when he offered that tithe, he was in worship. That's why the bread and the wine came from God. The covenant came from God to him. God wanted to assure him that what you're doing is sealing a future bigger than your past. So Abraham comes back, 17th chapter, God shows up again and tells him this time next year, the, the physical promise, you're going to have it in your hand. Are you there, saints? Look at your name and say, you got to get it in your heart, then God will give it in your hand. Okay, so here's how we're going to do this. Here's how we're going to finish out. There we go. All right, look here. Check it out. Oh, Lord. Genesis 22. Look at Genesis chapter 22. I think they'll put it up for us. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abram, Abraham. Are you there? Did you see the word tested? Is, there, is that right? Now it came about after these things that God, come on, Abraham, Abraham and said to him, what did he say to him? Abraham, and he, what did Abraham say? Now some of you don't answer because you know God got something to tell you. Oh, you know the voice of God. But you've got to say, yes, here I am. Are you there? And then he says, he said, take now your son. Now, this is chapter 22, after Isaac is born and weaned. Take now your son, your what? Whom what? And who's his name? Is there any mistake about what God wants? And do what? And go to the land of Moriah and offer, do, 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 do what? Not pay him. Paid is with the tithe. With the first fruit, it's a... Oh. Are you breathing? Offer him as a what? I can see some of y'all right there. You want me to burn my son? Lord have mercy. 
and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. You're not even going to tell me the mountain. I'll tell you when you get there. How long is it going to take? I'll tell you when you get there. Can you imagine, my, go to the next verse. Can you imagine walking for three days? You don't know what mountain it is. You got the boy with you. The one you've been waiting for for 25 years. Do you understand? I was thinking about this. I was looking through family pictures. And I pulled up. I, I should have I I had it up here. Just got to help me with this. And, 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 and I, have a, I have the most incredible picture of my daughter looking at her son. There's something in that that's, you just get it when you look at it. You're the only daughter I got, got a son. Thank you, Lord. I know, baby. And I was looking at her face, and her face, and she's crying, she's weeping. It's right after birth. And they've just laid deuce on her chest. And she's looking down at him like, oh, God. And when the Bible says, give me your son, I want you to offer me your son, your only son. Oh, Lord. Not to mention what you went through to have the son. Not to mention how long it took for the son to get there. Not even to talk about what labor pains you went through. Are you all there? Are the women here that understand what I'm saying? Put back the scripture for just a second. Help me, help me go faster. And so when, when, when the Bible says, he said, take now your son and offer him. Go to the next one. Go to, go to, go to he says, and Abraham rose early in the morning, got saddled his donkey, took, his, took uh, two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son, and he slipped <laughs> And he split wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place which God had told him. So here he goes. Keep going. And on the third day, how many days on the third day? Say third day. I don't have time to preach the theology of third day, but that third day theology is a powerful thing. You fast for three days, at the end of the third day, something's going to happen. Are you there, saints? And on the third day, Abraham rose, and he saw the place, and then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lamb, we're going to go over there, and we will worship, and we will return. Look at your neighbor and say, we will return. Now, Abraham, uh, Abraham had faith that God is asking me for something I couldn't get on my own. God is asking me for something I couldn't get on my own. Are you breathing still? He said, so I'll tell you what. He takes the wood. Read the next verse. Check this out. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering. Uh, yeah, there it is. And, the burnt, and laid it on, on where? Before they get here, I, he puts the wood on Isaac's back. <laughs> he straps the wood on his son's back. He takes the wood off the donkey. He makes his son the donkey. He puts the wood on his son's back. Y'all getting the picture? And they climbing up the mountain. But as they climbing, check this out. Abraham took the wood and, 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 and laid the wood on Isaac, his son, and took in his hand the, took in his hand the what? 
and so the two of them walked on together keep going please and then it says Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said father my father he said here I am here I am son he said uh, you can say Isaac one father father he's carrying the wood right he don't know he's carrying the object of his own destruction are you you understand that and then he said here I am son and he said behold I see the fire I see the wood what it doesn't say I see the knife this is better than I have the knife. I'm sorry. I could resist it for those of you that watch movies. Anyway, I have the knife. So he, take, he, doesn't, he, he says, I see the wood, I see the fire. And then he says, he said, but where's the, where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? Keep going, please. And, and Abraham, as a wise parent, would say, what does he say? What did Abraham say? Come on, parents. For himself, what? The lamb. So the two of them walked on together. I want to stop right here and say this to you because I felt this morning when I was going back over it again that I needed to tell you this. There are those of you who are parents out here who are trying your best to turn your child around And you know that one of the reasons why your children are the way they are is because of the way you are or the way you were. Some of your children are, uh, they are, um, they have seen the picture of your B.C. days. Talk to me, saints. They know what it was. They know what the sounds were, the smells were. They know it was in the icebox and under the bed. Y'all ain't talking to me. And some of you are troubled as parents because you, you, you don't know what to do. How am I going to convince her I'm changed? How am I going to convince him? Those were days when I did not know him. Some of us have made mistakes and trouble. We, we've made horrible errors in the way we've lived and treated our children and now our children that they're able to do what they want to do don't want to do what we want them to do let alone what God wants them to do they're making their own decisions because they're grown and if I do what I well please you understand I want this to be for you right now because no matter what Isaac was I want to tell you this before this instance he was not what God was going to make him to be there is an act between what Isaac is now and what Isaac is going to be in days to come. Isaac now walking up the hill with this wood is not the child that God really wants. God can't get that child until he deals with this parent. I want to say it today for all of the parents who are having difficulty with your children. There might be one act left that you could do that could radically change God's activity in their life. And I would propose to you today that if you will take that child and put that child on a death altar before God, something like this. If you have to kill my child, make my child come to know you. If 
have yet to bring my child to the brink of destruction to know you, so be it. I will take my hands off the ownership of my baby. I'm talking to somebody today. You've done all you can do. You've made all the decisions you can make. You've given, you poured money into it. It still ain't changed. Maybe it's because you're holding on to what really don't belong to you. Or maybe put it this way. You're holding on to what God wants you to give him. There's a reason why we do children dedication. Some of you, it might be late in your mind, late in the date, but I want to declare to you in the name of Jesus that this act of dedication of this child is for many parents, that's all that's left for the power of God to sweep in on your child and bring the gospel and bring the light and bring the deliverance and the truth to your child like you've been praying all these years. But you can't make this happen by yourself. You're going to have to give up that child before God. You're going to have to say, Lord, it belongs to you. He belongs to you. She belongs to you. I'm going to tell you I know what I'm talking about. Until you relinquish control and acknowledge that this child came by you and therefore it's yours. He, she is yours. Then and only then have you untied God's hands to bring about what he really wants. So while we're here right now, I want you to bow your head before Almighty God. You've been struggling with this. I need you to have the faith of your father, Abraham. If you believe Abraham, you do what Abraham did. He believed God. Wasn't no law yet. Wasn't, wasn't even written yet. He had a relationship with God. He heard God. God said, bring your only child, bring your child, and, and bring your child and surrender that child to me. Give me the next verse, please. And Abraham went all the way up that mountain after three long days of travel, took that wood, that knife, and that fire, built an altar to God, strapped Isaac on that altar. Are you there? God said, I want, you to, I want you to offer him. So the death of that child was by the hand of the parent. Are you hearing me? He puts him on the altar because he, and he doesn't know, he doesn't know all the answers yet. He doesn't know the where and why and how and, and there to. He doesn't know how God's going to do what God's going to do. He, God didn't tell him how he was going to do it. He just told Abram what to do laid that child on that, on that altar, that wood, with that fire ready. First he was to spill his blood, then to burn him, completely destroy him. That was, that's really what the sacrifice was. Are you, are you there? I need the next verse. Give me the next verse. If you can. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going keep going. That's what we got to do with God, right? Go on the nine, if you can. If you can. You might not have put that one in there. He didn't put it in there. No problem. I'll read it for you. You still breathing? Are you still there? You got your child in your hand? You got your child in your heart? The reason why I know my kids is in trouble because I told God, just kill them, Jesus. <laughs> Not quite that drastic, but 
Something like that. Are you breathing? Thank you for coming on up here with me, baby. The Bible says in verse 9, then they came to the place which God told him. And Abraham built the altar, arranged the wood, bound the child. We don't have any record of any struggle. Are you there, saints? Laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad. Do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham raised his eyes and he saw a ram caught in the thick. Abraham didn't even have to run after the sacrifice. He just, God just made sure that ram got caught. And Abraham took that ram, took his son off the altar, exchanged and put the lamb or the ram on, on killed the ram, put him on and burnt him. And the son now, now the son is sanctified. Look at your neighbor. So he is sanctified. This ain't got nothing to do with Isaac's choice. This has nothing to do with Isaac's hard will. This has nothing to do with this boy's independent attitude. But daddy made that decision. So I'm declaring in Jesus' name, be the mama, be the daddy. Take the authority and make the decision. And you know what is amazing to me? <laughs> the sacrifice is complete. It goes up to God. Isaac now is looking at all this. It probably dawned on him. Daddy, you're going to kill me. <laughs> Abraham said, yes, I was. Okay, hopefully I can bring it home. That child had to die in Abraham's heart. Are you there? Abraham had to give up his control over the, the gift that God gave him. God had to, God had to help Abraham come to the place where Abraham could say, Lord, I know you gave this to me, but I give it back. You asked for it, it's yours because you're, you're the one, you're the one, you're the author of all great things and good things. I give it to you. So, what does that have to do with first fruits? Yeah, real simple. It was, it was Abraham's first fruit. Tell your neighbor, it was Abraham's first fruit. So, tell, speak this and I can quit preaching. Preach to him, say, if you give God the first, I promise you, he'll give you back the rest. <laughs> See, the multitude don't come till you give him the one. The increase comes after you give God what he asks you for. Let God put a number in your heart. Let God tell you, this is what I'm offering, Lord, because I believe you. Are you there? You standing behind me? So the tithe 
you give reflects your past productivity, but the first fruit you give prophesies about your future increase. The tithe is given in faith that God will meet all your present needs. The first fruit is given in faith, believing for all the increase that God, <coughs> that God will. that God will supply in the remaining months. The tithe is offered as the first tenth of all that is earned or received, but the first fruit is offered on every first thing. We want God to bless and increase. You know, the first prophet of every business. The first time endeavor, the first time endeavors that bring you a profit. Man, I want to come to God. I'm going to say, God, I, I recognize you're doing this. And here, Lord, is my joy. Why, are, why wouldn't you be afraid to give the first that you've been longing for? Because you know where it came from. And the one that gave it is the one who has promised the increase. Tap your neighbors and don't be, don't be fearful and unbelieving. Don't be fearful and unbelieving. Okay, I got to sit down. You can stay around. You got something burning. I want you to let it burn. Uh, the tithe is looking back. The tithe is looking back in thanksgiving for what you have earned and what you've received. But the first fruit is looking forward in thanksgiving to what you will earn and what you will receive. Now, every time Abram looked at Isaac, multitude. Time I look at that boy, nations. The whole world is going to be blessed through you, child. I never have to worry about your life because I put your life in God's hands. Never another day you had to toss and turn about the life of your child once you put that, life, that child's life in God's hands. I'm sorry, are you there? Okay, I'll stop right now. We'll pick it up later. I love you. Let God talk to you about the first fruit. Bless you, I'm gone. <laughs> 